0: Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to The Vin and Ali Show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we wanna share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out. Anyway, let's dive into this episode. Uh, let's nah, let's yeah. wait till it says live. Okay, and now there we're live. Go. The funniest thing just happened before we started. We were checking my internet and I was I was a bit slower. so I, I, I reconnected with a faster internet at my, my property and I go, Ali, is this internet good now? And he's like, yeah, nah, it's good. I was like, "What? Yeah, nah." Australians have this really bad habit where, when people ask us a question, we go, "Yeah, nah, yeah, nah." So, for those international viewers who are listening to us, you always go with the the final "yeah" or "nah." Is that that's right, right?
1: Not in the context that you just explained, because your internet <laughs> was good, and I finished with a "nah." So, nah, yeah,
0: because I was like, <laughs> "Is my internet good?" And he was like, "Yeah, nah." And I was like, "What?"
1: Yeah, I think that- you have to go with the the facial expression. Like, if it's a nod, yes. The yeah, nah is yes. <laughs> if it's a yeah, right, nah, then it's completely you've, different.
0: You've got to check the the emotion that's living mm-hmm. underneath the facial expression. That is yes. Just helping Correct. the international audience decode Australian podcasts. Yeah, and the yeah, nah. Welcome to our episode six. How cool is this? We've done six episodes of this. Oh, wow! Look at us go. Hey, six. look at us. And and I'm really excited about this episode because this one is... I, I didn't think it was going to be a good book, to be honest. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the book we're doing is called Green Lights by Matthew. His last name is hilarious. If I read it ESL style, English as a second language, I'd read it as Matthew McConaughey. Like, it's just yeah, such an interesting last name. But McConaughey. Yeah. Well done. He's... His thank you, his brilliant <laughs> book. Uh, it's called Green Lights, so that's the one we're going to review. And if I had to give you some kind of high level summary of Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, I'd say this book is—it's a memoir about his life. However, it's viewed few. It, it's viewed through a very positive lens. In in terms of the book, Green Lights refers to the traffic light. You know, red, yellow, and green. And it's really interesting how he views so much of his life as green lights. Whereas if you read it, you go, oh, that is a terrible situation of what's happening to you. Surely this is a red light. And then at the end of the passage, it goes green light. Because he's able to, he's able to frame everything that happens to him in such a positive way. And I, and I think that was one of the most refreshing things that I experienced uh, through reading this book is that no matter what happens to him at the end of that chapter, sure enough... Green light, and then he reframes it, and he says it means this. Yep. So, and, and if I had to describe it as a food, which I've been doing uh, routinely, I'd say it's a sorbet.
1: Oh, here we go. Yeah.
0: It's refreshing. Sor- That's like your rating scale. It's like this one gets mm.
1: one sorbet. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think. It's I think beautiful. just adding on that, I, th- I think the really cool thing is not only is it a memoir, but and he writes it. I think the line there, it's like this is a playbook based on the adventures of his life. Whereas when I've read a lot of other biographies or memoirs, it's more just like, all right, here's the stories, here are the things that happened. Whereas I think he really tries to distill it into some type of wisdom and practical application as well, which I really, really liked.
0: I, I thought in some parts he distilled it into a point of wisdom well, and then in some parts it was just a memoir. Yeah. So there were, there were stories where it was just – and that's the story. And then there were some stories where I felt like he, he tied it into a lesson well. So it's like he kind of wrote this book with a self-development aspect in mind. You know, I, I wanted it to help, I want to help people improve. Not just me going, here's my story.
1: Yeah. And there was a few lines in it where it's just quite vague, where it'll be a really well written like sentence or analogy. And it's like, what does that mean? This needs yeah. some additional explanation as well. But well, I also well, he's like leading that it, to, it allowed it, for it, contemplation. Right? So that, that's
0: of- right. That's right. And I highlighted quite a few things where I went, wow, that's a good point for discussion because it just means that we can, he, he's showing us where the holes are and then you and I can go and dig deeper if we want to, right? Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, yeah, let's jump into it, brother.
0: Which I hole think- do you want to dig?
1: <laughs> I, well, I want to dig one of the, the ones that stood out where he had, I think, 10 of his goals that he wrote out in 1992. And Mm. it's pretty amazing. Like one of the goals that he put down there was I want to win an Oscar. And I think Mm. he ended up winning an Oscar maybe what, 20 years later or something like that. But it was amazing to see that that was part of his goals. But he also had a couple of other ones that were a little bit different. And there was one there where he mentioned, like, I think it was goal number five and it says, I want to be an egotistical utilitarian and I remember looking at that passage and I think it was actually in Tim Ferriss's podcast, just by chance, uh, listening to that, they, he actually discussed it. And I really love that concept because when he's talking about this egotistical utilitarian, it's nearly that paradox of, well, you have to do you and do kind of what's best for yourself. But when you get that intersection of when you're being your best self, but it also is helping others and it's providing that value. I just found that a really cool kind of philosophy that resonated. I don't know if that one stuck out as one of the random bits and pieces within it.
0: It didn't for me, but now that you yeah. talk about it, that's such a powerful alignment, right? When, when you can mm. do what's great for you and it's great for everybody else as well, that's probably the ultimate win. Mm-hmm. But But do you think there are, like out of all the opportunities, how many of them would be, well, well, look, I, I guess this is saying win-win, right? I mean, that's, 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 his, that's what it's alluding to is mm. find the win-wins in life as opposed to the win losers in life. Mm. But, but how yeah. often do we engage in win-win? I think if, if I had to kind of look at my life, If if, if you chase if if you believe in, you know, something you know I really thoroughly believe in is mastery. If you believe in getting really good at something, then that is a really good way of doing win-win. Because if you get really good at something, the people who work with you get the best of the best, and then it's a win-win in that sense. Yep. I mean, so 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 the path of mastery is the obvious path towards win-win. That's one path towards win-win. What mm. other paths are there towards win-win, do you think?
1: I think I looked at it more holistically in the fact that you know, when we're picking avenues or directions that we're going to follow in our lives, if you can link it with something where not only does it suit yourself and your own personal goal, your personal objective, but then it also has some sort of benefit for a wider community or your family or the people that you work with, whatever it is. I think it resonated because I think in my life, they've been the most peak experiences when you can combine that, that um, mixture off doing it for yourself, but also then that resulting in a benefit for other people as well. Whereas sometimes I think Mm. when you purely do something just for yourself, Mm. uh, there is that emptiness at times, right? Like if it's a salary goal or a financial goal or purchasing uh, something that's just for – that it's only for you. Uh, It doesn't have, I don't think, the same richness as what those combined experiences has.
0: See, something you just said there made me feel like when you're doing something for you, it it doesn't feel fulfilling. The fulfillment comes from the aspect of when you're doing it for others, right? I think so. And, and I think if you're if you're starving sure fulfillment. Might. Yeah. Well well for yourself, I don't know. It it's weird. I, I when I think of myself, a lot of the times if I'm just purely thinking for myself, I tend to be focusing more on the financial side of things, mm. right? And then when you're thinking for others, that's when the fulfillment and the good vibes come.
1: Mm, right. I don't know. It,
0: it, when, yeah. Do you, do you get that way when you think for yourself? I don't know. For, for me, when I think about myself, just me, it's more of that selfishness and the, the greed. Yeah. But then when you think for others, that's where the, 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 the lovely feelings come along.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel, I feel a lot more disconnected. Like I think when you go too much into your own self, where it's very heavily skewed to being, call it a selfish benefit. Mm. I feel that there's a disconnection there. Like it becomes really cerebral rather than like, if you call it like, you know, from the heart or from the gut. That's what I feel. So then I feel like a bit of a misalignment. And yeah, I think I get pretty sensitive to that nowadays, whereas, and then try to recorrect correct it. Whereas I think probably in my younger days, I could go deeply into the self the selfish part of whatever that action was really, really easily without noticing or being aware of anything else that was happening outside of it. Yeah. Now I think, and it's probably just, yeah, from a combination of experiences where you do get to experience it with others and, or or you feel connected to it on a couple of different levels.
0: I I also feel like you have to make the mistakes of, Being uber selfish and not doing things for other people before you build the sensitivity to, you know, it's like you, you have to hurt before you know what it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to do, you have to be so selfish and, and so terribly greedy at times to go, Oh man, I I shouldn't do that. You know, that's really the only way to build sensitivity to that. Unless you're born with that innate kind of, I'm here to help everybody, you know, and, and. I, I definitely wasn't born like that. I, I was born... That's just why I often say if I didn't have my parents, I would be, I think, a terrible person in this world. I think I started with the ingredients of just a monster. And then my parents helped me kind of, you know, turn those ingredients into more goodness. Yeah. Whereas I, I think originally... I don't know, I just, I just, I was out to, I was out just for myself as a young, especially entrepreneurship. When I was young and an entrepreneur, the only thing I cared about was how am I going to make money off you? Yeah. 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 And and then when you do that, you go, oh, actually this feels really bad. This feels, I feel terrible charging my friends mm-hmm. double the price, mm-hmm. you know, it initially felt great. But then afterwards, it, it, the more you do it and then you want to charge them, oh, maybe I should charge them triple the price. Then you start to feel bad and you build that sensitivity, right?
1: Yeah, it's that little feeling of uncomfort where, when yeah. you know. I think internally we all have the compass. It's like, oh, is this is this the right thing? Like, I know I could benefit from it, but is it yeah. the right thing? And we all have those moments. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I was the same when I was younger. You'd do those little entrepreneurial ventures, and or you'd you'd. I think the the best example is when you do little deals at school. Like I remember playing marbles, and you'd try to find the the kid that you knew wasn't that good but had the most expensive marbles
0: (laughs) you know that you know that kid was me right you bastard that kid was me i I, dude i remember a kid in my school named adam who he had this (laughs) and he was the best marble player ever and he always picked on me and he would always say okay for this you know like the blue steelers i had some really good blue steel ones which are amazing and he goes i'll play you for that except you can try to win my grandpa or grandfather marble, which was the big marbles. Yeah. And like, you only have to hit me once and I'll have to hit you three times. And he'd get me every time, clean me out every yeah, time.
1: That's- that's hustled. Then you probably just stole his wallet at the end of it. So you probably ended up, so That was
0: fine. <laughs> no, dude, I was a big loser, so I couldn't. Yeah, I didn't do any of those things. But it, yeah, I, I just knew how to make money to come back with more blue stealers, right? But it's unlimited. Yeah, I just, I just had a never-ending supply of it. But I just kept getting robbed. But to yeah. me, what, 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 what I feel Matthew McConaughey was saying there is, is try to find those opportunities where it is a win-win. And there are those opportunities that exist where you can win those people you serve, you know, your customer base or your family. There are so many win-wins in life. We should look for them. And the more of those we can do, the better we're going to feel. So it's just Mm -hmm. taking a moment in time to orientate ourselves to go, what are are the win-wins in our lives? And and let's chase those instead of the, you know, the win-lose situations. For sure. And taking it maybe Uh, even a step further with that is if you've got,
1: like everyone does, 5, 10, 15 decisions that you're weighing up is mm. a pretty cool exercise potentially is getting a piece of paper if you're weighing up all of those decisions and then listing, well, what what are the benefits for each of these? And if it's only self-benefit, call it, then maybe that's one that gets deprioritized a little bit more. And then mm. if there's additional benefits that sit outside of that, it might help with decision-making and... Choices.
0: I also, I also think there are times in your life where you have to be selfish. Yeah. Like if sure. you, if you're being really realistic about this, right? And you and I are not trying to be Mother <laughs> Teresa's. Yeah. You, you th- there are times where you have to focus on your yeah. wins, and, and your wins need to be the priority. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's why I think evolutionary, like evolution-wise, if you think in, in our younger periods of life, we have, well, have to is a strong word, but but we're naturally selfish. Yeah. and focus on win-lose situations because we're growing. Mm. Right? It's it's yeah. like you, you know, if if you think about you look at the animal kingdom when you're young, you don't share your food, man. If I if I kill something, it's mine. It's not yours. Yeah. And I'll fight you to the death for it, right? So so I think again just just we're saying this, but but I think keep in mind there are times when you just you purely need to think about yourself. There are times where you have to. Of
1: course. And, and I right? think that's and, that's probably, yeah, sorry, the, the message there is is 100% you have to go with yourself because everything that we do has an element of selfishness to it. Even the things that yeah. are the most, call it, you know, charitable or whatever it is, like even if you're donating to charity, there is, it's coming from yourself. You've picked that charity. It's mm. some sort of gratification that you then get from supporting it or, you know, there's very few things especially from an action perspective that isn't selfish in some shape or form, even if it's a relationship with your children or your yeah. family, there's some exchange of value there in every interaction, every relationship that benefits the individual. So yeah, I think, I see, think yeah, that's a good
0: point. And, and what you're talking about here as well is it's such good self-awareness, right? And, and that's something I really sensed from Matthew McConaughey is that this guy is a guy who has such a, epic self-awareness and he always listened to that voice in his head and and, and one of the funniest things when I was reading through the book was how the core thing that was his compass that guided him through his entire life I don't know if you know what I'm about to say but it's his wet dreams wasn't that hilarious how often his wet dreams came up well when he had
1: three big ones right
0: Yeah <laughs> and and, and he, but but he followed the wet dreams they yep. were to him an indicator of something is not right you need yep. to recalibrate yeah and i just thought you know, and, and for him, it was wet dreams. For some people, it's the bubbling of emotions of, I don't feel fulfillment from this job anymore. I, I don't really like this kind of work anymore. For some people, it's actually an external voice. It might be the voice of their partner or their children or, you know, but but it's that, it's or some, for some people, it might be their the intuition, right? But I thought that was really interesting that he was so sensitive to that. That. You know, he was so he was so sensitive to to, <laughs> to, to yeah to, to to wet dreams. I thought that was hilarious. The first time he wrote about, it, I was like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah, yeah my my oh. wet dreams have never been that profound. For the record.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he's took him. He's actually took him on a journey of self discovery. Yeah. Whereas
0: mine just led me to the laundry. People. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think, so, I think <laughs> there, there is a deeper message in what you're saying, though. Is I think he has a really good connection with his yeah. call it like inner dialogue, or he does. subconscious, whatever that is. Where, and maybe his whole story is one of that, where he's really just followed his intuition. He seems he very much a feel yeah. type of player, like, mm. uh, but also like lots of journaling, lots of lots of self reflection. Uh, I love the bit where he goes on his walkabouts. Like this is something that resonated a lot with me was just, you know, even after he had gotten his first couple of roles, everything successful, killing it in his field. And then what he would go away for a month, go off to Europe, go off to the Amazon, go off to Mm. Africa. But but these trips weren't,
0: but it wasn't just like a one week trip away. He would go away for extended periods of time, almost have no plan for what he's going to do, except the only plan he had was to, you know, like one of his wet dreams was I was swimming in the Amazon or, or, or and, he, and he just goes, you know, and and then I'm just going to go to try and find that place where I was floating in the yeah. water. Yep. And it's just, it's a kind of travel that I've never done before. My, my travels would be, oh, we're going to go do this. We'll go see that. We'll follow the exact trip advisor guide. You know, we'll go eat here and we'll do this. Whereas what reading the way he traveled and the way he traveled was, you know, I just have my backpack and I would just go from tribe to tribe, you know, as I was exploring the places I was going. And I've never traveled like that before. So I read this with such intrigue and such excitement because I've never experienced life like that, where you go without a plan and i felt that was so refreshing and that, i i think that's one of the things that made me it, it attracted me so much to this book was, was because he he he's such a free spirit. Mm, yeah, such a free sure. spirit and
1: i would say you have done it though. Like you've been to you've done your trips to New Zealand where where you take those times. Like i don't even think that it's just traveling without the free spirit. I would say it's more taking a week or taking a period of time just to kind of sit with yourself. Like that's the, that's the bit that stands out there. Like, I don't even think it's the what or the method of how he traveled. Mm. I think it's more the fact that when he was in a place, you know, like, like the way that I read through it is he started getting a level of success, started losing himself a little bit and then needed to go away for a, a period of time to go and then refine himself or or make the next step of his personal growth or his evolution. And then he would do that in those bursts.
0: Well I, I wrote something down that I found really interesting about the acting career path, right? Mm. Do you think he loses himself because he has to play other people in the roles that he plays?
1: I I think he loses himself because of the external fame and all of the other bits. Yeah. Like I think he writes about all it in the book where where he starts getting his jeans pressed and it makes him feel uncomfortable. And then he writes that note, he's like, well, do I really need these pressed by somebody else? Mm. Do I need champagne and caviar and red carpets? Like, Mm. is that what it's about? And I think maybe that's what made him need to disconnect, reset, and then refight himself.
0: I also feel like he loses himself because he gets too into the characters that he plays. Like if, if you notice in the book, throughout the book, he keeps writing, i got to find my guy, right? Mm. So when he gets into a character, he calls them my guy. So, you know, yeah. what can I do to get into the headspace of my guy? And I, 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 I And I feel like clearly he's in one of those industries where when you have to play that character so hard – and be that person for the next five to six months, you lose your own identity. And I think fame has to do with it. You know, the enormous financial upside has to do with, it. you know, you lose who you are. And and I I thought of that metaphorically in that there there are periods in all of our lives where we have to play a certain role That, that may not be who we innately are. Right. And then the classic version of that is, and I've seen this happen to a lot of my students who who when they come to my classes, they go, Oh, Vin, you know, I I've been forced into this leadership role, I've been forced into this CEO role. That's actually not who I am. Again, it's them playing a part in a movie that's not innately them. And they've had to play that character for the last two years. And then they forget who they are, and they've lost who they are. And because they don't have that sensitivity, like Matthew McConaughey kind of has, they don't go on those trips away by themselves to find who they are again, and in a sense recalibrate. And 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 I think that's such a dangerous thing. Imagine Matthew in this in this book. He didn't go away and do those multiple recalibration trips. You end up losing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's super dangerous. I think we all have to try to remember, you know, I mean, towards the end of the book, he he writes that instead of playing all these different characters, I need to live my life and my life and my character and who I am needs to be the most exciting version of all the things that I do.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. So so I think that's, yeah, that's, that was a big thinking point for me in that what characters are you playing in your life? That's not really who you are.
1: Well, the thing that stood out there when you were talking about that is, like, what is the true character? Mm. Like, like, if you look at it, and I remember this, especially when I was working more in the corporate world, I had to play a completely different character to who I was. Like, who I was Monday to yeah. Friday was completely different to who I was Friday to Sunday. And then mm. you'd go back and you'd turn it on and off, and then who you are as a husband, as a dad, as a friend. It, it's an interesting mm. concept, isn't it? Like that concept yeah. of who is the real character and then how do you then find hey, this it? Is, this one's esoteric.
0: Yeah, this is really esoteric. This is uh, You would
1: see it a lot, I'm guessing. You would see it more than most well, because you would well, see I mean, people that are characters that want to then change characters as well.
0: But then I also I'm a character as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the the keynote version of Vin Jane, the one polished hour that you see of me on stage is a well-crafted and polished hour. Yeah, like, you know that's that's not who I am. That's just hey, me in that one hour, or that, or like,
1: don't wreck the surprise. Uh, I thought you were winging it every single time. No, yes, yeah, spontaneous. <laughs> no,
0: but it's but it's not. You know, it's um, yeah. it's a planned and yeah. fully, like it's yeah, well manicured one hour. So, so the question in this, is is there a is there an ultimate you? Or are you many different people? Are you many different characters? And I'm definitely thinking you are many different characters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. I so, mean- so you are many different characters to many different people. So then, does does that mean it's okay to be many different things to many different people? Should we be striving towards that one and whole individual, or or, or is it? What is the meaning of life, Ali? What does this mean?
1: <laughs> These questions are above our pay grade, my friend.
0: Yeah, I think it's above uh, our pay grade. This is, yeah. It, but, it's, I didn't even know where to take the conversation, but let's try. Like, you know, we're try. falling off this ball, but let's try to get back on this ball, for goodness sake. I,
1: I think definitely we are so many different characters. Like, if you just go back yeah. to the the concept of the ego or or the self – like that is mm. an external manifestation of our personality, of our values, of our beliefs, our experiences, our genetics, right? Like so I think that you're right in saying that we are many different faces and mm. and they, those faces and that that changes as we evolve and go through different chapters. That's how I've always looked at it because I think it's been mm. – it's for me I find it too difficult to put myself or anyone else into a box. And that's what we're kind of designed and trained to do where yeah. we we look at an individual and that's where you start hearing those things. It's like, ah, Vin will never do that. Or, oh, ah, Vin, yeah. you're always that guy that does that. Like I think that's the mm. box that everyone kind of paints for that individual. But the reality is, is you will have 5, 10, 15 different characters mm. inside and you might want to play them all. I think out of anyone that I know, you've done it the best where, where you shape shift who you are probably more than most. Like I know we've had discussions and I think I do it too, where, where we're probably very different to who we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. Whereas I think then there's others that maybe stay in a similar trend, but I think both are fine. Like some people just well, know who they are from day one. Others want to try a lot of different faces and hats on.
0: So. so- So let's use this metaphor that wasn't even brought up in the book. I mean, actors get this wonderful opportunity to play and live different people, Mm. right? I mean, isn't that cool that he gets to play a dragon slayer and then later he gets to play an attorney and then later he gets to play like a rom-com character. What that means is that actors get an opportunity to be different people within one lifetime. Mm. Whereas I think- most people don't view it like that. Most people will think, "Oh, I'm Jang and I've got to, I've got to be Vin Zhang my entire life," without realizing that you can be a completely different person if you wanted to. You, you, you don't have to wait until Hollywood knocks on your door and goes, "Hey, do you want to play the character of, you know, <laughs> Rambo?" Yeah. Like you, you, you can choose to be Rambo. You can choose to be Rocky Balboa, right? You can, you can choose to be a dragon slayer in your life. It just means you have to, you know, you. you you have to give yourself the freedom to be able to change. Whereas I think often we get so stuck with the identity that people have for us. It's why in my course, you know, like you, you've done my workshop. You, you know, I talk about the concept of breaking the mold. Mm-hmm. And and like I, I told you this, right? You know, my name's not Vin, Right.
1: Don't tell me doesn't. you don't know this. Of course, of course, I do. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> No, I,
0: I, just, I just, I just, for a second, there, I'm like, have I told Anita? this? Uh, of course, no, but you like, have. It, it, it's it's yeah. like when I was, it's like when I was. For those of you who don't know, a lot of people don't know this, but when I was young, I I changed my name. My my name was Kwang growing up, but I, I remember the first thing my name Kwang Q U A N G. People used to meet me and be like, "Oh, what's how do I say your name? Is it Quang? I was like, oh, man, the way you say that hurts my ears. <laughs> and I just, A, I, I didn't like who Kwang had become. You know, he was a big loser. No one liked him. No one, he never got attention. And I, I, I actively wanted to change my name in a way reinventing who I was. In in another way, in, in alignment with this book, I wanted to play a different character, you know. And, and I gave myself the opportunity to reinvent myself multiple times as I was moving through schools because I moved through a bunch of schools. And to me, that was me being different characters, me being offered different movies in different parts. And I think a huge part of that comes through in this book, wasn't actively mentioned, but it comes through in that every, times he play, every time he plays a character, I bet you there's an element of, you know, because in, in this book, Ali, he says, I don't want to be the rom-com guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of being the rom-com guy. What character are you sick of being? What character are you currently playing in your life? And you're like, I don't want to be this person anymore. And, and I can tell you for an example, for me, I don't want to be the pudgy guy anymore. I'm kind of pudgy right now, Ali, and I don't like it.
1: Yes. Don't <laughs> but you know yourself, what I mean? My friend.
0: Yeah, uh, I but, think- but, 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 but yeah, it, it's like, I think that's such a cool way to look at life when you can say, Joe Rogan says this, see yourself as being the hero of your own movie. And, and, and this hero can change. You, and, and this hero may be at the worst point in their lives right now where you're, you know, it's the turning point. I just think that's a really exciting way to look at life.
1: For sure. And I think the, the thing that stands out there is two things. One is maybe we as individuals, we don't spend enough time writing our own scripts Like you talk about Matthew McConaughey or being an actor. He gets this opportunity where somebody goes out, they write a script for him, and he gets to go and immerse himself into this world that is completely outside of anything that he's probably experienced before. Whereas Mm. the reality is we could do that. Like tomorrow, we could say that from November 1st, I'm going to play this character. I'm going to rename myself. I'm going to dress differently. I'm going to speak with the Texas... Accent, whatever it is, and then go down this path. And you could write down your own script and go down it. But, but I think then the other bit that really stands out is when you made that decision, like say for somebody that's listening out there that does want to really transform who they are, how, how does one go about doing that? Like what's three to four things that they can do to reform their identity?
0: I think the first thing is you have to take massive action. You know, to me, the first thing I did was go and change my name. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic action, right? So I think sit down one. and think about some of the big actions you can take. You know, for for example, the story of because right now I see myself as playing one of the rom coms that I think it was uh what's his name? Brian Reynolds played. And I can't remember what the movie was called, but in the movie he was he was really kind of fat early in the movie and then he lost weight and became really you know ripped afterwards that's that's a part of the the character i want to play right now whereas you know sometimes like i had a bath with my son the other night we're just sitting in the bath and i was like why does my body look like yours no <laughs> <Funny> <laughs> but
1: i'm story. sitting there
0: yeah and then i was telling my wife and my wife just couldn't stop laughing i was like don't look at me don't look at
1: me. <laughs> you know, Ch- Ch- Chantel was um, showing Marcel, my son, a photo the other day. And she picked yeah. up the photo and Marcel's like, Who's that woman? And it was me. <laughs> 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 and, it's like, and his words were, you know, Oh, that looks like someone's auntie. <laughs> and it's like-
0: <laughs> oh, I yeah. love children. Yeah, I love the children. West. They're allowed to no, say things like them. that, and it's no, totally fine. Oh, who's that is. woman? Is that dad's auntie? No, that's yeah. actually dad's son. That's, that's, dad. that's his dad. That's his dad. Oh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was fair
1: oh. enough. Like, I looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, he's right. Oh.
0: Yeah, he's right. Look, right. that, yeah. yes. No, but I mean, I, I, like the first thing, what I'm saying is I took massive action. So there's like, I've got a room in my house. I believe in spaces, like this is my workspace. So, you know, I never work out in my workspace. I never slack off in my workspace. So to me, I created a space for me to work out where, you know, and, and, and to me, you have to take massive action like that. I rearranged yeah. an entire room so that it becomes my space for where I go and work out again. And I, I want this to be a consistent part of my story. And I want to be that dragon slayer. So, so you have to you have to take massive action. I think is one of the first steps. So, so again, I know you said the four things, but the first thing I would do was find five big moves you can make that just gets this engine revved. You know, they they, they often use the metaphor. And why don't we do one thing each? So I'll do one, yeah. and you do the other, right? Okay, so one of the metaphors they talk about is, you know, like a rocket when it launches into space, it requires seventy percent of its fuel just for takeoff, and then for the remainder of its journey, it just needs the remainder thirty percent. So you've got to recognize that for you to make a big change, it's going to take seventy percent of all your might. So to do it, put that might in. You know, I so for me, I've got the exercise area. I'm drastically changing my diet to, to, you know, taking some massive action there as well, and. And again, just trying to kickstart this with some intensity. And you know, every time you train, turn on Braveheart soundtracks and Pirates of the Caribbean soundtracks and Lord of the Ring battle soundtracks. Bloody fantastic. What about you? What's one of the things you would do if you wanted to really take control of your story?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go find a model. Say so somebody to emulate mm. would be my one. Mm-hmm. If, if I was struggling and in, in a position where I wanted to try a different character on, I would I would try to pick four or five people that I'd maybe you know where they've got elements or outcomes that they've experienced that I'd also then want to experience and try to embody them as a character, and then as you go through that emulation process, then find your own sort of secret source.
0: I like it. I really okay. So one more for me, then one more for you. I would also this is something you taught me. I would track my progress religiously. Thanks for stealing. Right? Mine. So yeah, that is, that is yours. That, no worries. <laughs> I did that. that I did still yours, but I would track the progress of it and hold myself accountable. Yeah. Yep. So, so for example, again, like let's just use my Ryan Reynolds going from, you know, chubby to really good looking and really successful mm-hmm. story. I, I've got a big board up where I'm tracking my weight on a daily basis. And I'm tracking my strength on a daily basis. What weights am I using? How long did I, you know, how long was I able to go on the Peloton? What was my score? So to me, I'm I'm tracking all of that. I'm gamifying it, which is something you do a lot. But to me, again, so, you know, okay, so we've got massive action, like five big things you can do that get you Mm kick-started. For you, it's find a model. For me, tracking the progress. Mm -hmm. Fourth one, it's on you.
1: Uh, I'll lock in. I'll steal one of yours then. It would be relentless commitment to it.
0: So once you've
1: gone down that path, you go all in, which is something yeah. that you do. So mm-hmm. as we are <laughs> stealing each other's concepts. Yeah, yeah this is the, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. it, it would be whatever it is, find a time period or a block and turn it into yeah. a habit. So if you're going to embody mm-hmm. this new character, yeah, make a commitment that you're going to do it for 30 days, for yeah. five hours a day or whatever it is. And then you track it. Then you've got your model. You've taken the action.
0: It's a pretty good formula, I think. that's Yeah, and can I that? add a fifth? Can I add a fifth, real quick? <laughs> of course, I think you can. Uh, of course, <laughs> I can. Thank you. It's our show. But, <laughs> yeah, but to you me, can do whatever you I, want. Yeah, do whatever I want. Actually, why am I seeking permission? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you it's can add five more if you want. Yeah, <laughs> got got hours. Let's, <laughs> add, Yeah, let's do it.
1: <laughs> let's lean back.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I think the idea of spaces is very important. I I've recently have kind of reflected on my life and went, damn, spaces is so critical. Because for me, when I, when I create a space, it just allows me to focus. It allows me to get into the right headspace. And I think because of COVID, so many people have blended too many spaces together, right? Mm-hmm. In, in terms of, you know, my home is now also my work. My work is now <laughs> also my home. That's also where I eat. It's where I snack. It's where I spend time with my children. And to me, I'm, I, I, I'm so afraid of spaces contaminating each other. It's like I'm a germaphobe, except with my work. It's like don't even shit in my garage. <laughs> yeah. Why would anyone ever shit while they sleep? That's a terrible saying. That's gross. But like, <laughs> like that's a terrible <laughs> saying. But what 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 I do is it's like even my work environment here, right? I don't hang out with people here. I just don't. This is where I go to be creative to work. And even my wife, like she, she even goes. I don't even want to go in there because you're always so serious in there. And I'm like, yes, please don't, you know, and and it's, it's just, I protect it. You know, I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. So it's it's, what, what I'm saying is try to create spaces. You know, even my sleep has been improved now that I leave my phone outside my bedroom because I used to scroll through my phone in my bedroom. Right. So I go, no, man, you go there to sleep. And and I sleep, I go to bed with my sons. I'm like, no, let's go there, hang out. And we just go to bed together. Yep. So try to create spaces, a place where you exercise, a place where you work, a place where you hang out and relax, a place where you go and you work and you be intense about it and you be intentional about it. I think having spaces protects your mind. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what I that would say. That would be the fifth thing.
1: One and, thing, and, when you change, when you changed your name, yes. what, what did your dad say? We haven't brought him into the show yet.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, my, my, my dad was actually really sweet about it. You know, he was, you know, he, he always, because and here's the thing. I, I do want to tell you what my, na- my name actually means. My name is Yang Yin Wang, right? Which, which ultimately, it means forever light, which is quite, quite, quite a sweet thing. So my dad's like, never remove Kuang from your name. You can change what people call you. You can change what you put at the front, right? But you, you can never change and remove a part of your name. Because the reason why we named you this name is your forever light, and and the meaning behind it, son, is you know there there are there are so many candles in the world that have lost their light. We named you this because we want you to be an eternal source of light, so you can give other people flames. You know,
1: that's cool, <laughs> beautiful. You
0: can be the forever light. <laughs> 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 you know, and I just I think it was such a beautiful read. Like, wow, well, I'll, I'll forever keep that, but I want to change yeah i want it to be vin yeah. instead of kwong i wanted to reinvent myself
1: yeah that's awesome
0: yeah I think, which there, was- I think there's
1: something really powerful in what you did there that not many people do like the name is such a because it's your brand right yeah like that's what you did you rebranded yourself mm. and and you see it so many times like pink lady gaga mm. like people that have were going down a certain direction and maybe that is the most drastic action so we're, we're not saying that everyone has to go and re you don't
0: have to go and rename yourself to- yeah, But you can stupid, if you but, want to. But you can but you if, you, can want, if yeah. you want to. Like, like, it requires that. I mean, think, again, let's bring it back to the way people do movies. Matthew McConaughey doesn't play himself. He plays a different character. Every time he's in a new movie, he's got a different name. And I think that has a huge impact. And again, you know, don't change your name irresponsibly. I watched a movie last night where it was called Midway. Guess what the character's name was? Character's name was? What it was, it was Dick Best. <laughs> yeah.
1: oh. they, got the, they got the order around the wrong way, but
0: it's solid. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And he was a fighter yeah. pilot and, it was, and one of his wingmen was named Willie. And I couldn't yeah. stop laughing. I couldn't yeah, yeah, stop yeah. laughing. My wife is like, you are a child. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. I You're want like, to be named Dick Best. Well,
1: it's what hilarious. production
0: company approves that? Like obviously, I don't you're pre- know. presenting this, it's just, and story. and every time the characters there said, "Where's Dick Best?" I just, I just yeah. couldn't stop laughing. We just couldn't stop laughing. But anyway, but uh, I, I just think it has such a dramatic impact on who you are, your name. You've just and nothing defended. psychologically. Everyone
1: listening called Dick Best. You do realize yeah. that
0: you, you <laughs> and he was name. the main character, and he was crushing it. He was crushing <laughs> it through life. So, and yeah. then when
1: you when you decided to change your name, was there? Certain things or behaviors that Vin just wouldn't do that, yes, that Kwang yep. did, oh <laughs> as you God. would say. No, I'm you, see, it hurts my ears, and I've got you in
0: my bloody earphones, mate. Yeah, I yes, I walked different, I spoke different, like I, I was speaking in a different way, I spoke louder. You know, I it was it was weird. It's like again, it's like acting, right? I, act as, I acted as somebody else, and I no longer wanted to be Kwang. I was just, I just remember being so tired of it. I wasn't, I was no longer shy talking to girls. I was like, stop it. I'm just going to go and talk to girls. Bah. And, and it was great, man. It just, it allowed me to reinvent myself. And, and I think there's a lot of people out there starving for reinvention. And, and, and again, let's just like tie it back to this book, right? I think so many people want to play a different character. So many movies, so many, so many movies, so many people want to just play a different movie for goodness sake. I'm sad of playing this victim character, this victim story of where I get stepped on and all these horrible things keep happening to me. My friends, turn the tide. A production company is knocking on your door saying, hey, do you want to play a Viking instead? Mm. Where you just, you know, yeah, you play a Viking, and you're the hero, you know. And 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 you're you're in training phase now. You're getting stronger, and I, I just think, and and okay, story, in the book Matthew McConaughey on one of his big adventures, he goes from tribe to tribe in in some unknown lands. I can't remember where it was, but he was going. He, he was walking 15 miles between tribes, and he was going between tribe to tribe to tribe, and and this was right after he played the big. Dragon Slayer character, so who's fairly buff. So then the tribe's starting to hear about strong white man walks from tribe to tribe. And then he walks into this one tribe where some of these village warriors wanted to fight him. And then two village warriors come up and try to fight him. And he's like, oh, crap. I think I'm going to have to fight them. And then all of a sudden he sees these two village warriors going, oh, my God, and then they run away. And he's like, what the hell? Why are these warriors run away? And then he looks and there's this huge guy. <laughs> The ultimate village warrior going, you know, and he pointed to him in the chest and goes, "Mm, mm, mm." like they couldn't speak the same language, but the body language was saying, we fight, right? And he remembers his dad because his dad was the kind of character where, you know, his brother had to fight his dad almost to the death. His brother had to knock his dad out for his dad to accept his brother as his son. And Matthew McConaughey, when he was younger, didn't, didn't accept that fight. He pissed his pants and his dad almost went, you're not my son. This is BS. So, so to become your dad, his dad's son, you had to fight the dad and knock him out almost. So to him, he viewed this as this is my second chance of my, my, my rite of passage. So he took the fight. He agreed to the fight. They both fought each other. They threw each other to the ground. The other guy didn't bleed. Matthew McConaughey had blood all over him. They body slammed each other. He thought his WWF experience was going to come in. None of it came in and at the, at the end of this fight the, the 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 big warrior from that tribe almost says to him that or, or the wisdom from that that story was it doesn't matter who wins or loses it's that when called upon you agreed like you, you, mm. you what was the word what was the word you he oh it's like he
1: took he the stood call. Up to the, yeah, he took the call, he, stand up to the he challenge. He took the call. Yeah.
0: He stood up to the challenge. And yeah. it wasn't about winning or losing. It was about standing up to the challenge and, and accepting the challenge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I thought that was, that was so profound and it's, that it's, it's not about winning or losing. It's about being in the fight, going, you know what, let's go. Mm. And I think sometimes we, I almost was reading that. I went, man, this year has thrown me so many right hooks and jabs and uppercuts and punches directly in the Adam's apple. (laughs) I've had a really rough year, man. And and, and it's just, you know, family-wise, business-wise, it's been such a rough year. So to me, when I was reading that, I went, wow, it's not even about winning or losing this year. It was that I went, you know what? Bring it. Mm-hmm. Stood up to the fight. Stood up to the fight. Yeah. And, and I think there are times when, when life is going to come at you and it's going to be that big, burly, crazy tribesman that wants to fight and yeah. you just got to go down swinging, brother.
1: Uh, 20, the big silver lining when we look back on this year for everyone is well, there's going to be very few people that will be like, oh, 2020 was the best. Like I, I didn't have to deal with any adversity, didn't have to use any of my inner resilience, whereas – I think that's the big learning lesson, like the silver lining in 2020 is I think every single individual would have learned something pretty profound about themselves in terms of how they deal with challenges, isolation, maybe whatever it is, you know, changes in work, life, like, like this is a year of change, right? Mm, And when you, when you look around that ability of just humans as a collective to be able to lean into that challenge and then try to make the most of it. And I think that's where this book, like you, you go back to the theme of green lights and just explaining that yeah. a little bit
0: more. Yeah, yeah, where, let's talk about it.
1: Well, yeah, like, like the, so the, the general concept of green lights is green lights are the things where life tells you to go and to go mm. through it. And then there's yellow lights and then there's red lights. And <clears> I guess McConaughey's view on life is that every red light, every yellow light that might seem like a roadblock eventually can turn into a green light. And the green lights mm. are, you know, he's sort of moment where, where you really then push ahead. And I love that simple analogy of how he's mm. constructed that with that simple yeah, traffic light analogy of yeah. know, red, yellow, green. And and I think what it then allows you to do, it allows you to turn any negative into a potential positive. Yeah. which Which is the reality of life mm. where you can look at any single experience And it's never objectively just terrible. There is always a way. Like he talks about losing his dad as one of the worst Mm. things that ever happened in his life. So he's like, that was a red light. But then he turned that red light into a yellow, into a green light with the way that he changed the way that he lived his life. I think he changed some of his values. He started prioritizing his family, changed his career a little bit. But I think that's a really beautiful message that he then shares by the art of amazing storytelling.
0: Do you you think what he's kind of ultimately saying there is that life is always going to show us red lights, but we have the ability, we have the ability to change it into a yellow and a green light? Yeah, for sure. Like we influence it changing, you know, like it's not just, it's not like this external force controls the colors of the lights is that it will show you the color, but you do have the ability to have an impact on it changing colors. I think it's two. I think it,
1: what it shows is the real reality of life. Whereas mm. sometimes there's a red light and you need to go a different way, and then yeah, sometimes, yeah. okay, sometimes there's a red light and you need to wait for it to turn yellow or green, mm. and then and then that's sometimes that's good, just,
0: that's good, that's good.
1: And then sometimes you can just run through the red light. There's there's a bit of a risk, but
0: yeah, but so there you
1: go. Like I think well, his underlying message is that reality is negotiable.
0: That, that's you, what you, you, I really. You, yeah, but you just distilled that so well. I love what you just said, and I just want to highlight it again in that there genuinely are some red lights that will never turn green. That No matter how hard you try, you will never turn it green. But it's, but it's building the sensitivity to knowing when those lights exist or when they're actually in your presence. And then knowing the difference between red lights that are about to turn green and red lights that, nah, mate, that's going to be red forever, so you should, you should take a different route. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. You just upgraded my understanding of this book. Thank you, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one quote that he wrote that I really liked, which I think is relevant, is he goes, stepping in shit is inevitable. So let's either see it as good luck or figure out how to do it less often. <laughs> is that great? I, I love freaking that. love that. I love that. That was like <laughs> one of the first few, few pages of the book. And I went, this is a brilliant man. He is talking at my level. I like it. I love it. Well, Uh, Yeah. Well, 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 I mean, like his life had so many situations where it would have been so easy for him to see it as a red light. mm. Because I told you that that's why when I read the book, I was like, when I was reading, I went, oh, man, this is awful. And then at the end of it, it's just green light. I was like, what? How did you Mm. see that as a green light? (laughs) I mean, one of the stories he spoke about, which I thought was really interesting was when he went for boarding. Remember how he went to Australia? Yeah. Yeah, 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 He actually did boarding in Australia and he was left with a really creepy family. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was, that was fascinating because I thought surely that's a red light. I mean, boarding with a family that, you know, like the way he described them, they were so eerie.
1: Yeah. Well, well let's dig into it a little bit more. right. Yeah. How do we approach turning red lights into green lights?
0: I mean, let's talk about the the red light that we all share, right? The red light we all share is the bloody pandemic, the COVID. Mm. Mm. I mean that that was a pretty red light. That was a big red light to my speaking career. Mm. You know, like, traveling around and speaking that was like a yeah, that was a red light and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah, live audiences, travel. Yeah, live
0: audiences, live <laughs> workshops, yeah. events. All of that just minimally gone. But you know what's yeah. funny is that. Yeah, sure, that was a red light, but it was a green light on family.
1: Mm.
0: It was a green light on internal reflection. You know, it was a green light on happiness, (laughs) oddly enough. You know, it might have been a red light for my career, but and, and also it was a green light on innovation. So it's, it's, it's like sometimes you don't necessarily have to wait for a light to go green even. Sometimes a red light happens that allows you to change direction. In in, in in why work so hard to sometimes turn a certain light green when this red light just has turned your attention? You're like, oh, wait, this entire road is all green. Let's go this way. Mm. I, I, I felt a lot of pain because I was focusing so much on that that red light of what is my career. I felt a lot of pain. I was like, oh no, this is the death of a career that I've yeah. worked so hard for, you know? And it's like, or just look right and there's a stream of green lights.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that.
0: So I it's it, it's true. almost a metaphor of as well, what are you paying attention? Are you just a pay, Are you just paying attention to the red lights and forgetting that just to your right are a bunch of green lights? Mm-hmm. Are you falling I mean, victim to change blindness? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's – I think the real key bit you hit on there is when we get stuck Mm. into getting really disappointed that we're waiting at the red light and then you just don't do anything and you just sit there And you're twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. Getting angry, flipping out. Yeah. It still doesn't change the fact that you're still waiting at the red light. Like I think that's the the real beauty in this lesson and this message is that Mm. we are the ones that control how we approach – and internalize nearly every single experience
0: that we have, and and and, and a, a quote that he says that really brings that to life. And I remember this because it was just it, it was so deep. And, and he he said that I never feel like a victim. Mm. I feel like the world is conspiring to make me happy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you if that's the way you view <laughs> your life in the world, it's like you have a bulletproof vest on. It's like I only choose to see the positive. I, I won't see the negative. I only choose again. I only choose to see green lights. That that is powerful. I mean, I definitely don't view that. I don't. I definitely don't think the world is conspiring to make me happy. But what a way to look at life, hey? Eh? Mm. What a way to look at life, man. That is that is unbelievable. So let's go back to your point, right? How how have we navigated it? I think the way I've navigated it is, I saw the red. I stopped focusing on the red and I looked for the green. Mm. what about you? Did you wait for any red lights to turn green or, or how did you do it? What, what, how yeah. was your approach? What was your approach? Yeah, pretty similar. Like,
1: I think it's this type of mentality just really resonates. And I think it resonates with probably both of us, even with the way that we were brought up in our upbringing, where, mm. where we could have both looked at our lives up until this point with the lens of red lights happening at a lot of different periods during that journey. Whereas I would say that looking for green lights and turning reds and yellows is just very much internal into the way that I approach life anyway. Like like even my wife will always say, she's like, you never see anything like a loss. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter hey, what hey, it is. Penguin says the same thing. Penguin hey, hey, says the same thing. Like, she's like, it's ridiculous. She's like, you'll get punched in the face and be like, oh, that was, that was a really good punch. Next time, <laughs> maybe I'll dodge it. <laughs> wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. No, you go, that, that punch has now given me a yeah. double eyelid and That's it right. also has helped fix a tooth that was out of place.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I remember when uh, Marcelo Youngest was like two years old, like he head-butted me in the nose and pretty much broke my nose. But I still with a little bridge. On, on my nose so it would like Go like this And then go over And he completely Straightened it Now just my nose Just goes out to the right Or left a little bit And I'm like How good is that Free nose job Perfect <laughs> like, Even though I was Bleeding everywhere And <laughs> uh. <laughs> But I think that's That's the thing That even when you look At the pandemic I think mm. it's more like It nearly becomes A skill set mm. That we don't Practice enough Where anything That shit happens How do you then practice Putting a positive well, Spin on it
0: well, I have to bring in the line that I conveniently have on my page. Well, I thought it was almost yeah. serendipitous, right? He, 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 Matthew McConaughey says, catching green lights is about skill, intent, context, consideration, endurance, anticipation, resilience, speed, and discipline. Mm. So he, he almost outlines in that one sentence that- How to do it. How to do it. Like it's about skill. Mm. So again, skill is in, you have to have an ability, right? You can't just, you know, I think your ability links to your ability to be able to turn the light green, because if you're, if you're skillful at something, you can change the fate of your life by being skillful. Then he talks about intent, context, consideration, endurance, we should, we could break it down, right? Yeah, for sure. Resilience, speed and discipline. I think discipline is a big one. The, 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 the only way I was able to not focus on the red and look at the green was, dude, I, I came out into my garage, which was my office every single day at 5am. I had the discipline to go in there and, 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 and look at the, the road ahead and going, where are the green lights in my industry right now? Mm-hmm. I've been showing the red lights. I get it. There's no more events for the rest of 2020, maybe even the rest of 2021. Cool. Okay. Accepted. Move on. Where are the green lights? So it's like I was sitting there looking at the map going, where are the green lights? Where can I go? The discipline to not just focus on the negative, I focus on the, the positive in the green lights. That's a huge part of it. For sure. And, and I think this is where it's hilarious
1: how we both read things differently, right? Like you looked at those things, which was more about the process and yeah. looking at discipline, you know, like going more down that route. The one that stood out for me, and I can't remember the exact quote, but he says, all you need is one in a row. You need one one in a row, one in a row. And that, that line just really stood out that, yeah, there's probably a couple of different ways to do it. You can do it that way where you just go all in, do those seven, eight different things. Mm. Or you just get momentum by looking for just one simple thing, one powerful thing, one impactful move,
0: mm. and then
1: following that, then going again one in a row. Like, like to me, that one's powerful, especially for people that are maybe lacking momentum or they've had a few call it losses or challenges in a row like i think that that mindset of all right well today i just need one thing one win mm. to move it forward there's there's power
0: in that i i also read it as there's a huge degree of luck involved in life as well mm. i mean when i was reading his his story One thing that really stood out, Ali, was that he obviously is someone who was very talented at acting. He had an innate gift where he was almost in the right place at the right time, then all of a sudden got offered a position, did it, did it extremely well and everything kind of soared. And then what was interesting was then when he went to go to acting school, it actually made him worse off. (laughs) But 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 that to me was just an example of someone, someone who truly has a gift. Yeah. And then it made me think, does everyone have a gift? I don't think everyone has a gift that is innately like what he had for acting.
1: Well, this, this was interesting. I'm so stoked that you brought up this point because yeah. we always – this is where you and me, we have differences. Mm. I think where I know you truly believe – in the process. You know, if mm-hmm. you do this, if you in if you enact a habit, if you go all in on something, mastery, and you complete it all the way, you'll get the outcome. Whereas right. I really resonated with his point where he tried to formalize his process by going mm-hmm. down the lessons path, but then lost the ability whatever that intangible that he had was, then got mm-hmm. removed because he was trying yes. to do it someone else's way and he was trying to essentially build his technical skills rather yes. than going with his natural ability. And I find that, saving with things like golf, for example, golf's a sport where you need to know the technique, you need to know the fundamentals, you need to know how to swing the club. But there are mm. times where you go and get lessons or you practice too much where you actually start playing worse. But mm. you also then need to go down that path to improve your understanding Off the game, and I think he speaks about that. He's like, I, uh, I think he uses some type of example where he says that. Look, I went down the acting classes path, but I wasn't getting any roles. I wasn't doing that, but then, but he still would have learned a lot while he was getting the acting classes. But then he reset his mindset, went Mm -hmm. away, came back, took away the maybe the mental pressure of having to act in a certain way or a certain style, and then Mm -hmm. combined it with his own special source. Call it, but, but that was. It's a really interesting component around skill development and performance, I think.
0: Well, You you know, a very similar thing happened in my career path as well. My my early mentors didn't allow me to do Toastmasters. I've never done Toastmasters, right? And I, I was going to, but I remember one of my mentors saying very early on, when you see a Toastmasters speaker, you can tell it's a Toastmasters speaker. And, you know, I'm not talking down on the organization. If you think it helps you, go for it. Do it. It's just in my, in my particular circumstance, my mentor banned me from doing it. He goes, don't do it because you'll lose the essence of Vin Yeah. And, and I think if you had to put your finger on it, it's you, you, you lose what makes you unique when you follow a formula. Because innately, when you follow a formula, how many other people are following that formula? 5,000 other people who are a part of that association are following that formula. 10,000 people every new year are following that new formula. Whereas when you're working things out, you accidentally land on brilliance. Whereas when you follow a set formula, you leave no room for accidental brilliance. Right? And I I I think that's the beauty of exploration is accidental brilliant discoveries. And what Matthew McConaughey leaves room for is the accidental ingredients that make him brilliant.
1: There you go, you, you found the. Guy. And
0: and and yeah, but then but then that's the thing, right? There's 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 two paths: follow assured, like a, a guaranteed path towards success that will probably get you there, you know, eighty percent of the time, fifty percent of the time, or self discovery where the the chances of success are a lot lower. But when you hit it, you hit it big. Yeah. And and it, and it's hard because I think it's a mixture of both. I think you've got to do both. I think you have to follow structure without allowing structure to remove your uniqueness, Yeah, which is really, really difficult, which is really difficult because once you follow a structure, it's like all ballet dancers end up kind of looking the same on stage, right? You know, and and, and, until until they are brave enough to break away from the structure, because initially when you lean into structure, that structure becomes your security blanket. And then when you lean into structure, sometimes structure traps you. So to me, it's go into structure, but one day have enough confidence to leave that structure. It, it it's like what I see with a lot of people in a corporate job is that they've leaned into a corporate job or or worse, sometimes people lean into a government job, which which feels very safe. And I've seen that happen to my cousin. My cousin, a great example. I would love to use her as an example. She probably would hate this, but I'm going to. I love her. My my cousin is my cousin is one of the most amazing psychologists I've ever met. And she was in, in a government job and it was super safe, super secure. Even her mom pushed her into it because she said it's super safe, super secure. So she followed that structure and she became super safe and, and became so addicted to safety that she was foregoing her, this, 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 this unique path she could have taken if she went private. Long story short, stayed in private for the better part of 10 years. In the recent couple of years, she went private. She 10X'd her impact. Once she uh-huh. went private. Mm. Because when there was no structure, when there was no red tape, when there was no, you know, hierarchy that was stopping her from being able to have impact in her life, now that she's gone private, unbelievable impact in the community A. Unbelievable ROI on her on her time. You know, even the financial rewards are unbelievable. Like to, to me, it was like, wow. Structure destroys impact. It's in every wow. sense. It's crazy. Mm. It's good and it's bad because if you've got no structure, then then that is also bad. It's interesting. Such a balance.
1: Looping it back to the point that you made about luck and how, like, and I think this ties back to to your cousin's story as well. Is we all have like those moments, the the, the timing when an opportunity arises, and and I think calling it luck is very interesting because nearly any single experience could be lucky. But the, for it to be lucky, there has to be some sort of action that takes place. Well, preparation you know, like even, to be specific. Like, like, you have to prepare. For sure, right? And one of the things that stood out a lot with his story is he had these chance meetings and he had luck, mm-hmm. but I feel like he went two, three, 400% past that point that when he got one of those opportunities – He made the most of it. Like say, for example, his first role, it was like, all right, you're going to get three lines. And he could have just said, yep, I'm going to accept that. I've never acted before. I'll take my three lines. I'm so lucky that I've got this opportunity. But what did he do? And stop there. And stop there, right? He never ever stopped when he got his lucky opportunity. And that was a recurring theme throughout his whole career where Mm. when he got that opportunity or that random moment that he had left space for, he would then say, yeah. "All right, well, can I can I expand on this? Can I get a little bit more out of this? Can we try this?" and and then he unlocks his like beautiful moments, right? Like he's all right, all right, all right, like mm-hmm. all of that yeah. sort of stuff. Like that's all him. Like that's not in the script. That's not what somebody told him. So he took like something that had structure, mm. but then completely added his own flavor to that structure. It's like he would see structure, and then he would say, "How can I break that structure while still staying as strange as it sounds? While still staying within that."
0: Structure. Well, it's but. it's it's the it's the it's the going the extra mile and not well. Mm. You know, everyone says that, right? Go the extra mile. There's barely any competition there. Yeah, and there it's true. On. And yeah. it's true. He always well, goes the it. extra mile. I mean, you you hear yeah. him talk about it. I mean, there's certain roles he wanted. where there was a certain role where he played a man who had HIV, mm-hmm. and then he like the, mm-hmm. the, towards the yeah. end of the book where he lost all that weight. Yeah, you know, he just kept going the extra mile. He just kept going the extra mile. So I think. Always. I took from that just go the extra mile, even when you've won mm-hmm. and and I think that's when people don't go the extra mile, right when when you when you've already won, why go the extra mile for? yeah what for? you know and i yeah, I, I think that that was really inspiring well well
1: well, people are scared of losing it, right? because they it's like nearly the, the message nearly there is is if you have a lucky moment, mm. just don't stop at that lucky yeah. lucky keep moment. pushing. Like, yeah. like when, because those opportunities only come around every so often. So how do you capitalize mm. on it completely? And, and I think the beautiful thing that he has is he doesn't have that high, um, a fear of loss by the looks of it or the sounds of it. You know, like even mm. when he has those moments where he's turning down massive roles because he wants to go down a different career path to do different, um, movies and roles that better align with him. It seems like, and and it really comes across just in his personality, his demeanor, where just yeah. that very relaxed, you know, I care, but I don't really care. I'm laconic, and that's what I think allows him to then go and capitalise on those opportunities
0: to another level. He he he, he. I think he he wrote twice in the book. I'd rather lose money having fun than make money being bored. Mm. And then that that was like to me such a good reminder as an entrepreneur because sometimes as entrepreneurs we get caught up in just making money and we forget we forget about the having fun part yeah you know and that's why i'm so glad we're doing this for sure because to me this is probably us losing money while having fun <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> but it's but it's great because i i love it i really enjoy yeah. it and I think that's something that Matthew McConaughey does really well is that once he gets bored, he moves on. Yeah. And, he, and I remember what the one story he said is that, you know, at one period in his acting career, he became the rom-com guy. Mm. And he, he just, you know, every, they kept getting rom-com deals left, right, and center. And he's, and he's actually really good at the rom-com roles. I enjoyed the rom-coms he was in.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, and then I remember one time he said, he said, you know, for eight weeks' work, they offered me $5 million. And I said, no. And then they offered me $8 million. And I said, no, I don't like this script. It's boring. And then they offered him 12 million, 15 million, 20 million, 25 million. And, and then when they offered him 25 million, he's like, actually, this script is getting a little bit interesting. actually, I can see beyond the words now, you know? Yeah. And then he caught himself out again back to great yeah. self-awareness. Because I can tell you now, if you offered me $25 million for eight weeks of work, I don't care how boring that script is. I probably would do it. Probably would do it, right? But he had that much self-control and self-awareness to go, no, if I keep playing these roles, these are not roles I want to play. Again, I think being metaphorical in life, what roles in life do you no longer want to play? And you have to be brave enough and courageous enough to say no to all of the bribes that come your way in life. Yeah. because life will always right? bribe you. Yes, and I think the corporate world is known for this, to continually yeah. bribe you to play a role you no longer want to, pray, to play. I've got so many friends that tell me this. They're about to leave a firm. Oh, just got offered partnership there, bro. Hmm. Yeah. Damn it. I just and, and then they're forcing you to accept roles you don't want to play. Mm-hmm. And then you end up being the rom-com guy for the rest of your damn life. Yeah. And, well, and yeah. he had such good sensitivity and he turned them all down I just thought that was so brave and extremely admirable when, when also he realized he needed money as well. Yeah.
1: Well, well, this is the tricky part, right, is and everyone faces this decision. When you've got that yeah. level of security but you know that you're no longer aligned with whatever it is that you're doing at that point in time, it's very, very difficult to sit in that discomfort of uncertainty. Like Mm. you look at even his story, like he's looking at golden handcuffs in a very unique light that most people will never ever experience where his golden handcuffs are doing a romantic comedy at $20 million for eight weeks. For for eight weeks of work. Right. And and he's having to say no to that. But then imagine what it would have been like for him for that two year period where I don't think there was maybe 16 months or something where he didn't get off. 20
0: months. It was 20 months where he got nothing. 20 months
1: where you're getting nothing. Mm. So then you've taken this creative decision to say that i'm not going to do anything until i do this and he sat Mm. in that for so long like i can't imagine what his doubt would have been hearing his family telling him like what man You
0: just said he wrote about it he started to have anxiety that hollywood's forgotten about me yeah you know i've ruined my own career it's all gone like he paid a hefty but then to feel all of that and keep going with it and obviously, by the way we're talking about it, there was light at the end of the tunnel, as we all know his career, right, in a way. Yeah. We've seen him in the movies again after those. But yeah. to, to walk away, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, at the hu- at, To walk away at the height of it is pretty crazy. Yeah. Reminds me of like Dave Chappelle. Very similar. Yeah, class, another big example. Way more than 20 Where, months that guy walked away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like what he had an $80 million deal for his TV series and pretty much left the whole industry for 10 years mm. and then comes back, just resumes his mantle as arguably the greatest of all time. It's, mm. it's phenomenal how these individuals, they have that, I think you've said it a few times, that level of self-awareness, the self-belief to completely go in the opposite direction that every other, call it conventional or normal person would go in. And then to sit in that and then to somehow return. Like, like I love this. I love the story of when he came back and he planted the story of reconnaissance. So he even termed a, he made a made up term that he planted with 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 (laughs) it and say that he's back.
0: Arrogant (laughs) bastard.
1: I love it. That made me laugh so hard that not only did he do the two-year break yeah, and the execution of his plan for them to forget about him as a rom com guy to then come back as a serious actor, but he also branded it in a certain way that gave it more fire and fuel, so that when he did make his return, everyone was talking about it in the way that he wanted it. Like, talk about controlling your narrative. That is a well, pretty awesome level of execution on that.
0: Well, let's try to relate this to our own lives because I don't think any, I don't think you and I will ever get offered, uh, you know, twenty million dollars for a rom com. I don't think we have. Mm-hmm the faces yeah. nor the bodies for it, no, unfortunately. No, I, I, w- I might, I might one day. I might have the body for it, but I don't yeah. think none of us have the faces for it. No. Yeah, I, we've passed I, the opportunity. Yeah, I think we've, yeah, we're way past that. <laughs> Glad, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, but, but uh, I'm trying to think back into my life where there are examples of this happening and, and I can think of one that's quite clear. So for me, I was the magician. Okay, so for a huge part of my life, I was a magician and... You know, I remember even in in, in university, I remember a group of my friends, they literally called me the trick monkey. Right. So so like every time I'd walk past the university I'd be like, "Oh, the trick monkey's here." And I was like, "Ah, oh. I mean, I like the magic, but no, I don't I don't want to be called that's trick monkey. No." That's like the worst nickname for something positive that I've ever heard yeah. in my entire life. But but again, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of cool. I could yeah. I get to do yeah. magic." It was an excuse for me yeah. to always perform yeah. magic, right? But there was yeah. a negative kind of spin yeah. to it. But then, but then t- talking about this from a career point of view, the, the market, the corporate world viewed me as a magician, and I mm. wanted to make a transition from magician to, uh, to, to become a speaker, right? to become a thought leader, you know, someone who, who spoke on things and, and was more profound than rather just being entertainment, that he was going to provide education as well. Mm. But the corporate market viewed me as a magician and for too long i had the branding of a magician and i remember i had i had to i had to go online and delete things about me that were magician related i had to clean up my blueprint online as a magician where you could no longer book me as a magician i also had to turn down magic gigs whereas i i remember working so hard with my magic gigs where i was starting to get paid 1500 bucks for an hour of close up magic i started at like 150 bucks I 10X'd my fee as a close-up roving magician. And it was so painful turning away these gigs. I started giving them away to the students that I was mentoring. And I sat there going, I'm getting no speaking gigs. And I'm giving away work because I don't want this marketplace to view me as a magician anymore. So, and I went through a similar thing in that there was a period of time that had to lapse where the death of Vin as a magician had to go through its paces before the, the, before the reinvention of Vin was, uh, was going to happen. Mm. And I think th- th- there is a seed of wisdom there for everyone, not just actors and magicians. But when you want to be someone else, when you want to change and be someone else, it takes time for the old you to die. It doesn't just ah I'm dead. No, they die long and dramatic deaths. <laughs> and it's a, and it, it, it's like that yeah it's like it's you know how in movie scenes ah, the die the dying scene ah oh, I'm dead. No. This is Deadpool dying, right? When Deadpool dies, yeah. he takes forever to die. It's the best way to die. Yeah. It's the best way to die. But I think when we're when in a way not being so dramatic, but when we're killing mm-hmm. off a certain part of ourselves going, I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to play that mm-hmm. character anymore. They don't die easily because, you know, they, it, it's like trying to kill off something. It's like trying to kill, it's like trying to kill off a freaking centipede. I found a centipede in my house the other day and I was trying to kill it and it just, it just wouldn't die. I kept yeah. spraying it with, I was like, this thing is unbelievable.
1: <laughs> You're like, there's my magician career right there. This centipede. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I think, and and yeah, I think going, digging into that a little bit deeper is, what made you commit to killing off the career as a magician and then going down the other path? Because then I'll share was, my story that's similar as well, like in that side. But I think yeah. that's the real interesting bit around how, do, how, do you, how does one go from being at – like say in the, when you're a magician in Australia in Adelaide, you're pretty close to the top of the game. You know, you're performing at, at a really high yeah. level. Yeah. Like how does one walk away from something like that and then sit in that discomfort off losing, call it that sense of identity that's related to that level of success that you would have invested a lot of time, effort, yeah, money, capital into developing that skill to go down a complete other path where you've got zero runs on the board. Mm. But then having that foresight and that belief, because I think that's the real important bit here. Like it's easy to read these stories. And to listen to these stories, like McConaughey's, where yeah, you can kind of have a laugh from afar, saying, "Oh yeah, wow, good on him for being able to completely leave all that work on the table."
0: How do you actually? Well, you know, his numbers are way bigger than mine. Obviously, he's mm. turning saying no to fifteen yeah. million. I'm saying no to fifteen hundred, right? But it's psychologically but to me, I, I, though, I, the concept no, is the same. It's the same. Yeah, I'm, yeah. no, no shit. Like for me, fifteen hundred yeah. bucks at the time, but like yeah. dude, that's insane. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. I can make an hour in, in what people make in a week. This is insane. So, so to me, the, you know, coming from Salisbury North, it was, it was it's a, it's a, it's a equivalent, 15, 1500 yeah. for me it was $15 million. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but, but you asked the question, right? What was, what, can you ask me that question again? So I have. Yeah. So like,
1: so when you're making that change and you're saying no to that career path and you're going down a completely new one, like what was it that was driving you? And Uh, made you make that move and sit in it without reverting back.
0: I'm really eager to hear yours too. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say for me, I've always had a strong compass for fulfillment and fun and fantasy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I want this life, and this is just me speaking my mind here, so excuse the esoterical nature of it. But I want life to be fun, filled with fulfillment, and almost is like a fantasy. I, I love the idea of that. I, I, I want to be able to live a really exciting life. One that, and Matthew McConaughey touched on it. I thought, wow, this is what I've always loved doing. But I love talking about the recent past and, and 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 the part, I love looking back because I've learned to be sensitive to you've got to live an exciting life. I love living in a way that I can just talk about it. You know, I love that, dude. I really do. So, so to mm-hmm. me, when I no longer had fun being a magician, when it was no longer fulfilling and when it no longer fit the fantasy of a story that I wanted to write, it was easy for me to change paths. Because when it doesn't fulfill those three things, it's just like, uh, do I really want to do it anymore? So that was the compass. You know, so, so, yeah, it's like my I've got that internal compass where when something mm-hmm. stops being really fun, I can't it's why I've never had really had a job. Mm-hmm. It's because I can't do it. Yeah. You know, and 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 I've built skills around how to allow me to live the life that I live. But but to me, when something stops truly being fun for me, I, I don't want to do it. I really don't. Yeah. I really want I, I just really don't. So that was for yeah, me. What about for you? Yeah, I think mine was
1: probably the transition from a normal job to pursuing the path of entrepreneurship, and then going down that route. And I think mm. that's that, that's one that's probably pretty common nowadays, where you see people leaving the the traditional nine to five and then going going down the other path. and And I think like I think that there was a couple of real big things there where. I think I would have dedicated about 10, 12 years in my – call it my career up until that point. I think I was very close to mastering it. There was maybe only a handful of people, especially in the space that I was operating in, that I would say, all right, that like that room for growth, very similar to the career that you were talking about, wasn't really there. But mm. this is the thing where it really relates closely to your cousin's story where high level of security – and yeah. especially with my internal circle, every single one of my friends and family members looking at, wow, you know, you've made it like, this is amazing, you know, 26, 27 years old, you got this gig, travel all around the world, can do all these things, working for a really big organization. Like it's ticking so many boxes and, and all the boxes that I would have imagined maybe five years prior to that. But mm. I think internally that level of satisfaction and fulfillment just wasn't there. And for me, it's always about growth. And similar to you, around boredom, like my biggest fear in life is boredom. And yeah, I think I, I think I think it's it?
0: a, I think I share that with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's boredom, yeah. and and it's, it's boredom a feeling of not having freedom. And it's not like you know, it's not trapped freedom or anything like that. Yeah. It's like internal mental freedom or creative freedom, and that's where it was more so that I was in a spot because I that was the mold, right? You go into a big mm-hmm. organization, you you finish your degree, you you climb up the ladder, you get that executive level position. And that was my path up until that point. But I think internally there was always then the desire to create something, to build something from scratch. to mm-hmm. like, like I always had two lines that stuck out in my head. Like do something that you love and then do it with people that you love. You know, those two lines always stuck out. And I remember knowing even when I was really young that – being an employee in the traditional sense was something that I was just very bad at. Like I, 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 <laughs> I, can't, I struggle with authority, struggle with structure, struggle with yeah. having to do things that I can't see the point or the purpose in. Like yeah. like the biggest reason why I left the corporate world was just, and it sounds so ridiculous, but there was this one meeting that we'd have to go to only once a month. But the fact that I would dread that meeting and didn't want to attend it because it was two hours. It was such a waste of everyone's time. Drove me to pretty much leaving. Like it wasn't even the career progression or colleagues or anything. It was like this one little thing. And I think everyone has that. They'll have that. It Like this one little thing just starts magnifying into something that's bigger. But then it nearly draws away. It's like a signal telling you that, well, if this little thing is irking me so much, that probably means that I need to start looking at a different path. And then going down that. So, so that was my kind of bit. And then, yeah, you've got to sit in the the discomfort of trading in something that really is a 9.5 or a 10. Because similar to you with the magician career, like pound for pound, that job in terms of jobs was nearly the perfect job. Like you couldn't mm. find anything better. So it's like, how do you trade something that's so amazing for something very unknown? And uncertain. And uncertain. Mm. on a gut feel or intuitive feeling that this is the next step that I need to go to. And, and, because the, and just to wrap this up, like the thing that I'm trying to unlock here is when I speak to people, speak to students, they always want to know like how did you get to where you are? Why did you make those decisions? And especially nowadays with what's happening with the pandemic, so many people are asking about how do I go and do a passion-based business or how do I pursue the thing that I love? And I really sometimes struggle with advising on that because you don't know what level of discomfort that person asking for the advice will be willing to sit in. And, and that discomfort is real when you make changes like this and you can't. And predict, how long, like, how like how durable. Yeah. Yeah. like like, that's the real difference. I think anyone mm. can do it. You know, that whole saying that anyone could be a keynote speaker. Anyone could be an entrepreneur. Anyone could be an actor. Anyone could be, basketball or whatever it is, if they've got a natural ability to it. But how long can you sit in the discomfort
0: Yeah, how as, long?
1: as you progress through that point? And, and I don't know, is that just innate? Like do well, we just have that well, where we don't have an alternative no. option?
0: No, but I, but I think you brought up something really important there in that your tolerance to discomfort is something that you have to build as one of the first foundational attributes if you want to pursue the path of doing something you're passionate about. I think, I think that maybe that's not talked about enough. You know, we talk about the importance of, you know, entrepreneurial skills, like marketing, digital marketing, and you know, the, the hard skill of being good at something so that, you know, like, what about the skill of the increasing your discomfort tolerance? Yeah. I think that, you know, and then you have to be very self-aware to what is your discomfort, like your, your level of tolerance for discomfort, because, that's what you will inevitably experience. Yep. And I think you experience that at all levels of entrepreneurship, no matter how successful you become, it, there's just this consistent discomfort. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's really interesting. And I, I, I now am so almost afraid to advise people on this very topic. Whereas again, you know, in one of our f- f- episodes before so good, they can't ignore you. I, I, I was, I used to be so quick to advise people on, yeah, do what you love, you know. And, mm. and now to me, having pursued multiple careers of, 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 you know, multiple careers within the areas that I love, I go, wow, it's actually, it's actually pretty hard. Yeah. You know, it's tough. You have to make tough decisions. You have to do things that are really hard. The work ethic is pretty crazy. You know, I still advise it. I still think it, but it's, it's, I, how I advise it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tough.
1: there's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and we always talk about it. It, it, It's the word entrepreneur and entrepreneurial thinking. And I think too many people focus on the what, you know, so it's like, well, I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to start my own business so I can build this thing. And it's a particular thing. Whereas if I'm really looking at it now upon reflection is, I think it is more like learning an art form and it's a, it's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking rather than what it is that it materializes in, which is usually the business or the service or the consulting company or whatever that is. And mm-hmm. there is a level of importance. Like when you look at whether it's McConaughey's book or all the things that we speak about, whether it's an author or it's whatever it is, mm. there is – I think there's just different levels of entrepreneurship. Like even somebody who's working within an organization, yeah. they are an entrepreneur at some sort of level. Like they have well, they, gone they, they, and they got the qualification. It,
0: they call it entrepreneurship,
1: right? And it's not even that level, right? Because entrepreneurship's is more about looking at how do you innovate within an organization. I'm even talking at the That's base level point. of, like, of mm. each individual being an entrepreneur of their own life where mm-hmm. they will – like say, for example, if you are working in a job, right? There is a series of actions that you took that were creative, that were outside the norm and decisions that you made that led you to that point. There was some sort of strategy. Like if you're progressing through a workplace or through uni or through Mm -hmm. school, you are entrepreneurifying, if that's a word, that that experience. And the level of success will just depend on how you approach it, right? But the, the core concepts are really similar. It's have a strategy, have a goal, think about what actions you need, what resources do you need, you know, weighing up opportunity cost, um, trying things, testing ideas, reiterating it, and then just sort of going through that sc- cycle of improvement, essentially, right? Um, yeah, like I, I don't. There, there's something in there. Like I know we speak about it, but the that importance in how do you how do you take the practical applications of entrepreneurship, even if you don't go and start a business. Is something that I think is really, really important. Whether it's around designing your life, your career, your relationships, whatever that looks
0: like, there it's is- almost like what you're saying is the entrepreneurship. It's a it's a life game where no matter what path you're walking, you need to learn the rules to this game and the components of this game and learn how to play it.
1: I, I think so. I think it's nearly it's fundamental. a life
0: skill, right? Yeah.
1: I, like I don't, I don't think people treat it like they either say oh, I'm not good at business mm. or I like it gets carved into this mold where it gets too, it's too specific around it yeah. being a business or a service. Whereas, like, say if you no, look at no, on communication. Yeah. Like, communication, that's you, universal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we've
0: done, done, done it. it. <laughs> what, what, I'm, I'm going to just, take it. It. I'm gonna just yeah. take it now. It's mine. It's no, mine what what, what, I, no, what I'm just saying is when people think of entrepreneur, they tend to think of Mark zuckerberg they meant to they, yeah. they tend to think of you know Steve Jobs and they go that's not me, whereas what we're saying is entrepreneur being an entrepreneur is not being someone it's 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 a skill and it's a trait yeah right and to say it's a skill i think is it's let's say like we say communication skills let's mm. this is entrepreneurial skills, yeah, and it's a skill that is relevant to life, just like how communication skills is relevant to life,
1: yeah. Because, yeah, it's a way of thinking and acting and behaving. Like, if you look at, like, like even say things like the pandemic, I think if you have Mm. a level of entrepreneurship ability or skill set, your ability to navigate large amounts of uncertainty is going to be higher than those that don't. It's very similar to what you talk about, right? Like, if you're able to communicate well, you can unlock other outcomes that are very unique to those that can't communicate well. And I think it's very similar. Like one is more of a way that you maybe direct that energy and connect with others. And then one is a way of internal thinking into how you materialize outcomes. Like that's really what entrepreneurship is, right? It's an ability and an approach to create something that didn't exist prior to you actually thinking of that idea and then executing on it. Now, I think it loses value in the fact that it's got that word and it's linked to business. And it's linked yeah, to startup it and it's linked to failure and it's linked to all of these bits. Whereas mm. the core fundamental is deeply rooted into everyone. Doesn't matter what
0: you're doing. It's like martial arts, how people say it's not just self-defense, it's a way of life. And mm. I think what you're saying is entrepreneurship is also a way of life. Yeah. What, what what you just made me think of, which is really interesting, is that you know, when you learn to improve your communication skills, it allows you to navigate conversations more impactfully, mm. right? It just, it, what, what would have potentially become an argument because you have the ability to communicate with clarity, you can navigate that and not turn it into a like, destructive argument. The skill of entrepreneurship allows you to navigate through life. You know, it just, it just gives you a set of tools and skills to allow you to duck and weave and ebb and flow. Mm. I, th- I think it gives you one of the most powerful skills, which is adaptation. It allows you to adapt really well. And I think this is a good time for you to, you know, tell everyone, you know, you've, 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 you've put together a course on this very thing.
1: <laughs> oh, no, not the plug.
0: Here we go. Yeah,
1: yeah but I, like I think, yeah, I have, I've put together a passion-based business course, which is what it's termed. But even now when I think about it more and more, I actually think it's yeah. more my musings on the art of entrepreneurship, And it's like ultimately it's not even about getting somebody to start a project or a business. It's about learning that skill set internally. Mm. So you can emulate things like what Matthew McConaughey does in your own life where you can take chances and you can pursue ideas. Like to me, that's the biggest thing. Like where somebody was asking me the other day, oh, why'd you put the course together? And it was just one of those things where I recorded it nearly in one sitting during the pandemic musing on those ideas. Well, I know a lot of people are going through uncertainty right now. Here Mm. is a really easy way to go in low risk and to start thinking about your life in a different, uh, yeah, with, with a different lens, essentially, that says that if you've got these ideas circulating, and so many people are reaching out saying that I've got this idea, my job's changing, I don't know what it's going to look like anymore. Well, you can't advise that in an hour. So here's a, here's a resource that you can go to that at least gets you thinking outside of that box. And that's always been my style with entrepreneurship. It's always related to a passion and it's always mm. starting from a position of very low risk, very basic. Because I think people make the mistake of wanting to perfect it, wanting to, to invest $50,000 on their logo, and without even having any validation of their idea and concept, whereas at least this starts getting you thinking around. All right, well, start small. Does it stick? How do I improve it? And and you can use that methodology in every aspect of life because it's more. It's more a uh, I guess, a toolkit to allow you to navigate change, and to yeah fulfill maybe dreams and.
0: When I think of entrepreneurship and what it did for me. I think of it as in before entrepreneurship, before I learned this skill and, and, and like you pl- started playing this game, I felt like I was a passenger in a car and this car called Life could take me wherever it wanted to and I had no control. And I, I felt like control less. But as I learned the skill of entrepreneurship, all of a sudden a steering wheel appeared in front of me and I went, wait, what? I can control this vehicle? What the hell? Yeah. And I go, oh, I can, I'm going to turn it left. Oh, damn, shouldn't have turned to left, just kind of destroyed the, the rear view mirror or, or destroyed the, the side mirror. But then as I learned more about, you know, when I learned more about entrepreneurship, then the brake pedal appeared, the accelerator appeared, the indicator appeared, the rear view mirror appeared. And I went, wow, this is so cool. As I'm learning more about entrepreneurship, I am more in control of my life. Mm. No, and then like to, to what you said, not only personally, but professionally. And as I, as I learned about this entrepreneurship game with you, Ali, as, as we learned to play this game together as well,
1: mm.
0: you know, we've been friends for the better part of the last five, six years. And, and as we've deepened our friendship, we have played more of this game together. And as we played more of this game together, we've learned how to control this vehicle more and more and more, mm. you know, we can, we can finesse, we can drive through tight alleyways now, you know, we've got the finesse of this. And, and I think it's such a critical skill for people to learn. So, you know, if you're listening to this, I encourage you, you know, jump on Ali's course, check it out. You know, it's, it's just, it's a great way to go, oh, there's the steering wheel. Oh, that's how I turn left. Oh, that's cool. This is how I step mm-hmm. on the accelerator. This is how I put on the brakes. And 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 like I say, communication is a life skill. I, I love that you're putting the angle that entrepreneurial, entrepreneur is also a skill. So it's like like communication skill. This is entrepreneurial skill. It's, yeah. it's, it's like if you're an avatar in a game, you need to put some some effort into building that strength which is called entrepreneurship
1: yeah it's well i think that's one of the been one of the real beautiful things about our sort of friendship as well over the years is we we do that combination of call it strategy and thinking and problem yeah. solving and decision making and then you've always you know taught me about how do you then communicate that and mm. deliver that message because there's two sides like if you look at what I'm talking about it's around, it's very internally driven, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of how do you turn your ideas and it's very much linked to like self-awareness, internal growth. Um, Whereas I think what you then help everyone do is you then allow them to express it in a way so that others can connect with it where, and it's that yin and yang, yeah. You need both of them Um to do it. And I think that's where we've really benefited from the way that we break down problems, situations. Like we, we counsel each other on these things because mm. it, it colors in the picture. a lot more. Yeah. No, back, I, I, back, to, I, the book.
0: Yeah, back to the book. Back to the book. Well, where was that? <laughs> we, we, we <laughs> <didn't, whoa. laughs> well, I mean, I think it's a really important point. So I'm glad we yeah. brought it up. One, one part of the book that I read that I, I felt I'd love to dig a little bit deeper with you. And yep. this probably is, the last thing we're going to dig on for this podcast. But he says, the arrow doesn't seek the target. The target Mm. seeks the arrow. We must be aware of what we attract in life because it is no accident or coincidence. The spider waits in its web for its dinner to come. Yes, we must chase what we want, seek it out, cast our lines into the water, but sometimes we don't need to make things happen. Our souls are infinitely magnetic and that that is that is in saying who we are attracts the things that come comes into our lives so so of course we've got to spend a part of our lives chasing things but we also got to spend a part of our lives becoming who we want to be because in com- in becoming who we want to become we are also a force of attraction yeah. i love that because i always think about what am i chasing i don't spend a lot of time thinking about what am i attracting is that the same with you? Yeah, for sure.
1: I think we talk about it all the time. But go back to the word paradox, where there's so much magic in that, in the concept of taking the action and being in control of what you're doing, but then equally letting go and letting things happen. And I don't know if, if it's the same for you, but the best things that have ever happened in my life, there's that beautiful mixture of both where there's intention but then the real magic in the moment happens from the unexpected or the spontaneity that you can never predict that is there. Like people call it luck or whatever it is, subconscious or law of attraction or whatever you want to word it as. But without getting too airy fairy, it does exist in some shape or form. Like every single one of us would have imagined something. And then without being able to explain it, that outcome happens or that coincidence takes place or yeah, whatever it is that that you put out there into the world, it sometimes helps, you know, it manifests in some shape or form. And I think that's what he's talking about, right? He's like, you need to to be the one that decides what the target is. But sometimes, yeah, let the arrow kind of find it rather than trying to push it there or poke it into the bullseye is what I took from that message.
0: Well, uh, I mean, I understand the arrow seeks the target, but I – I was trying to understand more about what the hell does he mean? The target can actually seek the arrow, yeah. And 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 that was again by about who are you going to become? Mm-hmm. Because because okay, so, so so if we link it back to what we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, when you choose to play a certain character, a certain type of opportunity will seek you, right? If if I if I play the rom com guy. I will get girls. Ramcon, yeah, yeah. If I play the dragon slayer, I will get the dragon, <laughs> right? The dragon inevitably will find me because it, I've killed its family members, <laughs> right? So it's like who you become will gradually also attract the type of opportunities that come your way. If I'm if I am known as the magician, magic gigs will find its way to me. Magic gigs will find its way. If I become the keynote speaker, keynote speaking gigs will gradually find me. So Mm. I've never thought about it like that though. I've always thought I'm gonna become the keynote speaker, so then I can go and find keynote speaking gigs. Yeah. Whereas I I felt so empowered when I thought to myself, Wow, Mm. you know, it's not just about me going out there loving my son, but it's become if I become a more loving human being. My son would always seek me out for love, but but it was just such a strange way of thinking about this. you know if i if i uh, yeah, it's it's so interesting because it 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 goes to show that you have more control than you think. You don't always have to be outward. you can be inward. You can start from within and then things will come to you. i never I never thought about life in that way before. Because you're right, it does come across a little bit airy-fairy. And it's just like, it's the reverse. What? If I become the right target, the right arrows will find me? Like, what? It, like, that just, that that really, like, I sat on that thought for ages. You, you know, when I read a book, yeah. the, this is how I determine whether I, I, I really connected with the book. When I actually read and then have to put the book down and think, <laughs> that's what I'm like, damn, that's a good book. Whereas when I just read, 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 I'm like, no, this is not a good book. Yeah. I love because that made me put the book down for ages, and I just I, I started thinking to myself, who do I want to become in the future, and put more thought into who I want to be, which will then allow certain opportunities to find me instead. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of wisdom in that
1: comment, and I love how you picked up on it because I think what the natural inclination is. Is that we always have to be pushing, like mm. like every you know, we're kind of trained that all the results are based on our actions mm. and going down there. Whereas yes, yeah, you, you, with this you're flipping it on the head. It's like, well, if I'm the target, arrows will come to me, right? Like, like, and it makes sense. Like, if you're LeBron yeah, James and yeah. you're the best basketballer in the world, he doesn't have to go and ask a team that, oh, can I please play for you? Can I please join you? Like every yeah, single team comes to you. to
0: you. go to him. And they're going
1: gonna... no, was, was, it it, to, No, that then... tied back yeah.
0: Well, what I was thinking was that that asks the question, who do you want to be? It, it, it's less about what do you want to do, which I think I spend most of my time living in that space. What do you want to do, Vin? What do you want to do? What do you want to do next? <laughs> but, but then it made me ask the question, who do you want to be? And like, that is a difficult question to answer because who you become ultimately will have a huge impact on what opportunities come your way. And, 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 and when, when was the last time you allowed yourself just to be, and you allowed yourself to go deep, to discover who you want to be for this chapter of your life. And we, you know, if, if I was summing up this experience for me while reading this book, it, it, it's made me realize that I can be different characters and I can almost be different people at different stages of my life. I have the freedom to become different characters. Mm. And what I love about what Matthew McConaughey does in this book is you, you, you go with him on these wonderful journeys where he rediscovers who he wants to be in different areas of his life. And he allows himself to be different people at different areas of his life. And I think that is so refreshing where you see someone get to play so many different characters, not only in their personal lives, but in their, you know, movie lives. And as he ends the book, he writes, I no longer want the characters that I play in the movies to be the most exciting characters. You know, I want the life that I live to be the most exciting movie of them all.
1: Yeah, that's
0: great. Like oh, yeah. It's almost like he came to that realization at the end. That mm-hmm. he he the thrill that he got, like he was chasing the thrill in the characters that he was playing. But he's like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. The most thrilling character that I should be playing is me. Yeah. And it just inspired yeah. me to live a more thrilling life, a more exciting life.
1: For for me, the big one that I took away from it was a reminder to, to keep detaching, you know, like the, that whole thing of attaching and then detaching. And that's what I
0: think that he's done really, really talk, well. Talk more about that because I think that's going to be very confusing for a lot of people, what you just said.
1: Yeah. So, so if you look at his story, uh, those moments where he fully immerses himself into something and then completely walks away from it and then immerses himself and then walks away from it, immerses, like that's his cycle of going mm. in and out. In and out, in and out. Yeah, yeah, in and out. And, and I think that was the thing where it was a really big reminder. Whereas if I do that usually, like in, in any given year, I will go in and out. I'll try a variety of different things, go in, out, in, out, in, out, and then sort of end up at an end point. Whereas if I look at this year, some of my loss of self or connection would have been just going two in and then not coming back out. So that was where the big reminder came in this book. And, and, I'm, and I really resonated with the way that he kind of just was fluid and flowed like it, it's a seemingly fluid story of flowing through life mm. and just sort of taking it as it comes. And I think what 2020 does in a lot of areas is it gets you focusing in and protecting things maybe with a little bit more of a scarcity mindset. Or with a little mm. bit more fear and and that was something that the book was a really big reminder for is that look you need to just go with it chill out a little bit take the walkabouts, start planning for those moments off removing yourself from the things that you're overly too connected to just so you can then see them from a different vantage point that that stood out a lot more
0: well i mean right at the end of the book he 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 ripped He he used the word relative multiple times, Mm. right? Relativity, right? Mm. It's it's a key perspective Mm -hmm. is a huge part of his message. Yeah, I I took that away as well. And I I just, I think, you know, in summation of this book for me, it's it's someone who knows how to live well. Mm. It's someone who's going to get to the end of this life and he's written the most exciting book ever. You know, he's allowed himself to have multiple chapters. He's learned how to say no to become. Uh, he's learned how to say no in order to reinvent. You know, he's he's learned to fail. He's learned to he like he's done all the wrong things. He's done all the right things. You know, and, and he's just he's writing an exciting life. And and it's what you know. Going back to what you said at the beginning, the ten things he wanted. One of the one of them was keep living. Yeah, just keep you know, doing. and it's keep living. And and it's not it's not keep existing it's keep living right Mm -hmm. I definitely feel a breath of fresh air in terms of I want like I sat my cousins down yesterday night for dinner and I said hey let's plan for an exciting adventure at the end of this year Mm. let's not leave excitement to chance let's not leave an exciting chapter in our lives to to chance let's do something this December that we'll talk about in 2021 Mm. do you know what I mean like let's let's take more control of this life than let, let's stop giving life so much control going oh you know this is a terrible year no. no let's end this year in a way that is remarkable let's create a green light for ourselves at the end of this year so it's 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 given me a zest of fresh, fresh air the way he lives and and i just got to say thanks matthew that was that was awesome <laughs>
1: I think that's a pretty perfect note to wrap this one up on.
0: Beautiful. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for episode six. This is uh, Ali and I doing something we truly enjoy. And if you all do love this podcast, uh, we, we are gradually going to launch it officially and we we have we have officially launched it and we've got the logo the website everything about to come out so once that all comes out please do consider subscribing to our podcast on whichever platform that uh, you enjoy listening to us on and yeah leave us a review or whatnot if you'd like
1: once it's live
0: (laughs) yeah once it's live yeah once it's live i'm just i'm saying it for when it does go live so anyway That's it from Ali and I. This was a fantastic book. Uh, I hope you'll grab the book and and grab it and enjoy it yourselves. And and really, I hope you feel inspired to live a life that's worth reflecting on and realize you have more control than you think. That's it from Ali and I. Bye for now, everyone. Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to The Vin and Ali Show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out.